Welcome on in. It is Hick at night. Ryan Hickey with you right here on this Sunday. Appreciate you making us a part of your Sunday evening right here on CBS Sports Radio. We'll circle back to the NFL and we'll do so right now. Because I thought as a whole, now that the NFL coaching cycle, eight jobs were open, eight jobs have been filled. I thought overall the 2024 NFL coaching cycle was very underwhelming. There were very few home runs hit in terms of knockout hires that you feel great about if your team hired that guy. And I think I know the reason for it. The NFL right now feels like they are sold out of great head coaching options. In large part because they think there's a drought right now of young offensive-minded head coaches in the NFL, or offensive-minded coaches, I should say, in the NFL. Like, I think we've reached a point where now, number one, coaching is getting the credit it deserves in terms of impact on the game, number one. But also, number two, head coaches are like quarterbacks, where I would, each year fluctuates, given around 10, 10 quarterbacks you feel really good about going into a given year, 10 head coaches you feel really good about going to a given year. And then everyone else after that, eh, take it or leave it. Hit or miss. Don't move the needle for you one way or another. And so I think right now in the NFL, when it comes to coaching, we've reached that point. We have reached a point of there's aren't any good options left. Like once Jim Harbaugh, which for me was the number one coaching um, option this offseason once he went to the Chargers for the teams that were remaining with head coaching vacancies who else was out there that was a must have who else is on the list of oh our team if we had an opening we got to hire this coach now the only person out there was was Harbaugh for me in my opinion Ben Johnson right said thanks but no thanks I'm going to stay here in Detroit I think Bobby Slowick has really Driven up his star um, with his year that he did with C.J. Stroud down in Houston. He, though, also, just like Johnson said, I'm good where I am. I'm going to stay. I mean, I liked Mike Vrabel. I would say Vrabel would have been that, you know, that coach for me of, okay, there's no Jim Harbaugh. Let's go get Mike on our squad. But I know not everyone's a big Mike Vrabel fan. Maybe some people think he's not, you know, underachieved down there in Tennessee or not all that he's cracked up to be. I would disagree, but otherwise, outside of Rabel, there was not another head coach out there, or I should say head coaching option out there that says, oh, I got to have him. We have to hire this guy or it's a failure. I think that's how you end up in a coaching cycle with hires like Raheem Morris, Dan Quinn, Antonio Pierce, Gerard Mayo. Eh, we could have done better. But who else was out there? Who else could have we gotten? So, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll take them. Don't feel great about it. But we'll, we'll see. Hope it works out. But nothing that's like, you know, firing the fan base up, galvanizing the fan base to where they're eating out of, you know, eating out of your coach's hand day number one he gets there. 
even though I think there has been underwhelming hires, like coaches that I'm like, oh, I really wouldn't feel good if they're my coach. I'm not going to fire up the championship hopes because now this guy is on our team. Even though there's not a lot of, I thought, home run hires, really outside of Dan Quinn getting hired by the commanders, there wasn't, I can't criticize teams for who they hired. I can't crush right now the Falcons for hiring Raheem Morris. I can't crush the Patriots for for promoting Gerard Mayo. I can question their process, but I can't crush it because there's not a person I could point to who says, oh, they should have had him. You hired Morris over this guy? You stuck with Antonio Pierce instead of instead of getting this guy when he's out there? There wasn't that guy. I don't think Bill Belichick has what it takes to be a successful head coach in the NFL again. I don't think that was a guy that should have been on teams' wish lists, and clearly he wasn't. But I think that's where the NFL is right now where they have kind of dried up when it comes to offensive coaches, they get you excited. Because at this point, you look at the pool of candidates out there, weren't a lot that get you fired up, get you excited. And that's why I think you land with eight head coach openings, and I would say six of the eight were like, eh, okay, good luck. Don't love it. Not excited about it. Probably could have done better, but also at the same time, I can't sit here and tell you that there were better options out there. The crop of young, offensive-minded coaches has dried up. Now, it could replenish. Absolutely, this next year, we'll see how you know a few new offense coordinators do, a few quarterbacks, uh, quarterback coaches do. But there are not right now a lot of can't-miss names, can't-miss prospects. The one that was really out there decided to stay in Detroit. Otherwise, not a lot. And I think that is part of the reason why we saw some teams that I think in any other year would have fired their head coaches, but we decided to keep them because the, the, the options were limited. Like, I think Mike McCarthy is back. Well, I think Mike McCarthy is back, honestly, more because Jerry Jones um, – doesn't want a, a true star head coach in there. But I couldn't have given you right now a significant and definite upgrade over Mike McCarthy outside of Jim Harbaugh. There was, to me, not a coach clearly out there. Again, I, I'm a Mike Vrabel guy, but I know not everybody is. Outside of Harbaugh, I would argue outside of Vrabel, there's not another coach that's like, oh, bring him in and, and the Cowboys now actually have a better chance of being a real postseason team. Same thing with the Eagles. Instead of firing everyone, you have Nick Sirianni hire two new coordinators, offensive and defensive. But I think the Eagles, in part, didn't fire Sirianni because they figured, well, who we got to hire? Do we trust Bill? Mm, not really. We like Braves? Mm-mm. Whatever reason, no, not really. Should we hire... Dan Quinn? Should we hire Antonio Pierce? Yeah, we'll just keep Sirianni. Mike Tomlin, same thing. Although that seemed kind of more, well, Tomlin return versus the Steelers firing him. Either way, you look at right now, 
a lot of this head coaching cycle, I think a lot of guys that maybe should have been fired are back because of the the lesson crop this year of offensive-minded coaches. A lot of swings and misses, a lot of right now underwhelming candidates that don't make you feel that much better for hiring them compared to the guy you already have. Right now, I think the pool of young offensive-minded candidates, it's tapped out. And definitely need some time to replenish. I think that's why right now you see a head coaching cycle that was eh, underwhelming. Like, I think the best hire was Jim Harbaugh by a mile. Love Jim Harbaugh's fit. It's not just because now he gets to work with Justin Herbert, but also because he is a tremendous team builder. And that team, the Chargers, need a lot of help. He's going to build that team the right way. On a lesser note, I'm excited about the Brian Callahan hire in Tennessee. I think that's a, a good risk to take going off the Bengals tree right there and getting a guy that worked with Joe Burrow so well, and, and you hope that he can bring some of that magic with him to work on Will Levis. Mike McDonald should be interesting. You go from the oldest head coach in Pete Carroll to the youngest head coach, so a lot of youth energy energized there in Seattle, or I should say injected there in Seattle. I have hope with Dave Canales that he'll turn Bryce Young's career around the way he did with Baker Mayfield and even with Geno Smith the last two years. There's optimism there. But otherwise, it's like Russell underwhelming. Raheem Morris is loved by players. Can he hire the right offense coordinator and get that offense in Seattle, uh, in, excuse me, in Atlanta going? Antonio Pierce rallied the guys for the final nine games of the season. But can he make the right hires to to actually, you know, make real headway in terms of winning games. I mean, not the best sign. Well, look, I'm not a Cliff Kingsbury guy. I don't think he can be trusted or believed in um, as a good coach. I think he's a good-looking guy, not a good coach. Not the best sign, though, Cliff Kingsbury is ditching you to go to the Commanders. Probably for a better deal, but if you were truly all in on Kingsbury, you got to lock that down. You got to get your guy in the building and sign him. The fact that now you got to go from Cliff Kingsbury to Luke Getze, fired offense coordinator from the Bears, uh, not great. Not a very good start right now for the Antonio Pierce era in Vegas. Dan Quinn, not choice number one, two, three, four, or even five for the commanders. Hard to get excited about that. So it's like there's a lot of underwhelming, eh, run-of-the-mill hires right now in the NFL. And a large reason for it is that the crop of young offensive-minded head coaches has dried up. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. We are talking about right now not only just head coaches, but since the Grammys are tonight, and since obviously Taylor Swift has been in the news uh, for multiple reasons, in part for her relationship with Travis Kelsey, at least the way I look at it, Taylor Swift is universally loved by girls. Right? Women love Taylor Swift. They're big fans of her. It feels like, I don't know, if we just did a poll, 9 out of 10 women would just like or love Taylor Swift. So I was talking with my friends before about, well, who's the guy equivalent? Like, who is the male equivalent we could say that is like 9, 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10 guys? Like, oh, yeah. I like him. I respect 
I said Tom Brady. I got laughed at. I, I got basically run out of there. I think if it's not going to be Tom Brady, Charles Barkley, Tiger Woods are two guys right now that I would say as guys, universally, we'll say not even maybe the word loved is correct, but universally appreciated, universally respected. It's tough, tough question. We as guys don't really unite that much. We like to argue and go back and forth. But there's not really one true guy that we all can rally around and at least respect. Bill has an idea uh, at 855-212-4227. Call from Toronto. What's up, Bill? Hey, how's it going, Ryan? It's going good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I was just going to – I'll just touch quickly on the coaches and and, uh, the situation before I get to – I got a a list here that I think you're going to like, actually, and and maybe we can choose one between us, perhaps, but – of guys, but uh, I was just thinking about the two top, you know, highest profile coaches that you didn't mention. Of course, was was both Bill and Pete there, and I, I think honestly, both of the, those guys may do a better job in Dallas than Mike McCarthy would, uh, just because they're you know got way more experience first of all, but they're also great football minds, and they may just motivate them. But they would also draw up more attention and maybe get some early early action there one way or the other. Oh, they would draw potential without a doubt, Bill. My thing with both Pete and Bill is they are right defensive-minded head coaches. What are they going to do on the offensive side of the ball to make the Cowboys even better than they've been? Like, they've been a fine regular season team, right? It's always obviously been about the playoffs, especially Dak uh, Prescott's play. Who is Bill bringing in? Who is Pete bringing in that is going to get the most out of Dak come playoff time? I don't think there's an answer. Well, yeah, I, I I kind of agree with that, but I think Pete maybe more because he's also a, a real motivator, and and uh, frankly, I think McCarthy looks a lot of times like a grump on the sidelines, whereas Pete is you know a rah rah kind of guy, but. He, he got the most out of Geno Smith for the last few years, as you know, uh, replacing Russell Wilson. And that right. was a, a feat that nobody thought he would possibly do. And they put up a lot of big numbers with a lot of injuries as well. So um, he, he could be the guy that, you know, he can do both. And he's also very well liked in the room and, and, and is, is self-effacing where I can't see Mike McCarthy being all that much, but maybe he is. I don't know, know what goes on in the locker room, but regardless... But yeah, I think Pete might, you know, might have been might be a choice for somebody, and I was kind of surprised somebody didn't pick him up, even though his age is there. But of course, Harbaugh's in his sixties, and so is his brother, and they're considered the top two guys in the league right now, as far as coaching goes. <laughs> so, well, not yeah. John Harbaugh, but, anyway. but yeah, Jim's mm-hmm. up there. Well, I'm saying I would, yeah. I would say John's number one. I think he's especially with his last playoff run here. I mean, Andy's above him. Yeah, McVay's it, like it, he's still well respected. Yeah. So anyway, I just want to give you a quick list here, and you can maybe think of, think we can maybe think of these 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 guys. I was thinking of uh, Chris Pratt for one, Chris Hemsworth as well, um, Jason Momoa was another one. Um, also, I, the two Ryan's Gosling and um, Reynolds. Oh, well, yes, of course. And if you want to go comedy or something like that, I thought of somebody like Jim Carrey or uh, Ben Stiller. Hmm. I appreciate the suggestions. Thank you, Bill. I just, the fact, also think part of it is the fact that we have to now rattle off multiple names. The one I like the most, I like Ryan Reynolds a lot. That's, that's an interesting one. Reynolds is a guy that I think is pretty cool. Pretty, pretty well liked. Good personality. But I think the obvious answer here is there is no answer. 
not at least in terms of trying to uh, to be the equivalent of what Taylor Swift uh, is to woman. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. All right, we just talked about the head coaching hires in the NFL. I thought most of them were underwhelming. But there's also an interesting trend that we saw in this latest head coach hiring cycle as well. Eight jobs open. Five out of the eight were non-offensive head coaches. Are we seeing a trend now change going from offensive mind now to defensive mind? Tell you if that trend is here to stay or just a one-year anomaly next. It is Ryan Hickey with the right here on CBS Sports Radio. It's Hick at Night with Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey with the right here on CBS Sports Radio. This, I think, latest head coaching cycle, I would characterize as underwhelming. I would also characterize it as an anomaly. Because we saw out of the eight openings, five were filled by non-offensive-minded head coaches. Which goes against right now, right, the, the trend in the NFL. Which is hire the young shot offense coordinator. Offense, offense, offense. If you look at the last six years before this one, 25 out of the 42 head coach openings were filled by offensive-minded head coaches. 25 out of 42, well over 50%. More times than not, offensive-minded coaches are filling head coaching vacancies. This year, again, was the anomaly five out of eight were filled by non-offensive-minded head coaches. I think this is an anomaly because I don't think at the end of the day, owners and GMs want to hire defensive-minded coaches. It's more difficult. Like, think about life as a defensive or special teams-minded head coach. You get hired. You have to be, number one, a great leader. You got to inspire the team. You got to know what you're doing. You got to have control over the entire team. But then also what really dictates your future or not is not how good of a leader you are, not how good of a, a, a just a general coach you are, but it really comes down to how are your head, uh, how are your offensive coordinator hires? Because we have seen plenty of coaches get fired, not because they're a bad coach, but because they can't get the offensive side of the ball going. Look at Chicago, Matt Eberflus. He has that defense cooking. That defense of the second half of the year played some really good football. But why is he on the hot seat and why is he going to get fired if things don't turn around in 2024? It's going to be because he's going to swing and miss on another offensive mind head coach. Uh, uh, another offensive coordinator, I should say. Had Luke Getty for two years. Boom, fired. Now he gets another shot, uh, another chance here. If it's another flop on offense, guess what? Eberflus is getting fired even if the defense performs well. Teams now focus and want offensive success. And if your non-offensive-minded head coach can't hire an offensive coordinator that's worth his salt, he's getting fired. And if the other reverse happens and you hire a good offensive coordinator, guess what? You're going to lose him in a year or two. He's going to be scooped up to be a head coach somewhere. And then you're going to be back to the drawing board every two, three, four years when it comes to then trying to, you know, find the next 
offensive coordinator that fits what you want to do. That makes your team better, continues right now the role you're on. I mean, look at Nick Sirianni. Nick Sirianni was just, you know, on the hot seat and almost lost his job in part because he totally swung and missed with the offensive coordinator hire. Goes to the Super Bowl with Shane Steichen last year, calling the plays. This year, Brian Johnson swinging a miss, and now he almost loses his job. And now, really, Nick Sirianni's future is in the hands of Kellen Moore. If Kellen Moore can get that Eagles offense back on track like it did in 2022, then Sirianni's back in 2025. If that offense looks like it did this past season, and Jalen Hurts continues to regress, and A.J. Brown is frustrated, you know who is not coaching the Eagles in 2025? Nick Sirianni. You know who's probably not even seeing the end of 2024? Nick Sirianni. Not because of his leadership or his coaching, but because of his offensive coordinator hires. So that's why I think like GMs and owners, and when it comes down to it, if they had a candidate that they loved that was all things equal, offensive-minded or defensive-minded, they're going to take the offensive-minded head coach every single time. Less turnover, quicker results. It's just easier. And so even though now we saw an inverse of that with the majority of, of coaches that were just hired being not from the offensive side of the ball, I don't think this is a path that's going to continue. I think this year is a one-off, an anomaly. And I think next year, if, and I think at that point, when Ben Johnson is going to take a head coaching job, when assuming, and I think it will, the the Texans' success, that'll continue in 2024 under C.J. Stroud. That means Bobby Slowick, their offense coordinator, is going to get a lot of head coaching looks and interviews. I think we're going to see the the trend that's been offensive-minded head coaches get back on track next year when we have the next head coaching cycle. So I don't think what we just saw is a, a new trend. I don't think now all of a sudden the new way of hires is going to be, oh, we need a defensive-minded coach. Get us the best young defensive-minded head coach you could find. It's still going to be offensive. But just this year, the offensive-minded head coach's crop was very small. It was Jim Harbaugh. I like Brian Callahan. Dave Canales is a little bit of a, a wild card, one I didn't see coming. And then a whole lot of nothing. Whole lot of nothing. And I think that's why we saw the direction teams went in this year. It was out of necessity. There's really no one left. So what else are we going to do? 855-212-4227. Do you think right now the head coaching hiring trend we just saw were five out of the eight coaches hired were non-offensive-minded head coaches? Is that trend here to stay? Or are you with me that was just an anomaly? 855-212-4227. Jonathan's calling from Baltimore. What's up, Jonathan? Hey, good morning. How you doing? Good, man. Good. What's on your mind, buddy? All right. I guess, first of all, I, I want to make a comment about the Taylor Swift and about the coaching, but I'll stop with the coaching since that's where you are. Concerning these coaching right now, I think it's a trend. It's not a trend. I think it's the new way. And what they have learned is these hot shot uh, offensive coordinators are not working. 
I can go on and tell the owner about this high-flying thing that I want to do, but we found out it doesn't work if you don't have the quarterback. It doesn't work if you don't have the players. And what the defense and what this new wave is showing us, you look at all the ex-players. It's showing you that if you've got the mentality to talk to your team and, and under, get your team to rally around, because now what's becoming more important is your team now. They're starting to bring toughness back. Those other guys, well, you got to do this, you got to do that. No, you got to bring people that understand the team and the team will rally around. Just like you said, how can Bill Belichick or uh, Pete Carroll do something with Dak in the, uh, in the playoffs? How? They can tell Dak, guess what, Dak? You don't need uh, 300 or 400 yards passing. Let's go to ball control. I can show you how that you can get through in December. I mean, in February. I mean, get to February and January is that you don't have to come out here to try to throw for 400 yards, just like with the Simpsons with Cleo of Kansas City did against my team. He came out in ball yeah. control ten times. Ten out of ten times he threw it to Kelsey. He wasn't trying to throw it downfield. They were trying to do ball control, and that's what a smart coach would do. And about the Taylor Swift situation, I look at it like this. The people, the demographic who like Taylor Swift, they have nothing else. They don't have any there's, – there's no equivalent or anything close to a star. So uh, the biggest one was the, the girl tonight, Molly Cyrus, the Hannah Montanas. These are – and then you talk about young ladies, young girls who play with dolls are watching football now because to see her. That's where her impact is. You look at us, us guys, you say maybe we're not doing enough. We got love affairs. There's guys who love Tom Brady, guys who love Tiger Woods, yeah. guys who love uh, Sylvester Stallone, guys who love this. You know, we got enough love. We got enough lovers. That demographic don't. You take Taylor Swift out, who else do they got? So that's all you got to realize. That's all they got. So why do all of them rally around her? Because that's all we have. Like you said. I, I don't you know about that, Jonathan. I, you can't I think even pick a movie. There's like you said. Than- Bonds, like, look at looking like Beyonce. Beyonce played a leading role in Cadillac Records. She played a leading role in Dream Girls. They do all of that. They have nothing else. You do that and tell me who else would they have if you had that demographic would have without Taylor Swift? Nothing. Well, I think it's also nothing different. At all. And thank you for the call, Jonathan. In part because there's like, like sports are such a big part. Outs like movies. Um, music, like sports is such a huge part of the male culture and not so much generally the female culture. That also just cuts down on, again, I guess celebrities you can like, but I, I don't think that if you take Taylor Swift out that her fans would have nothing. I would like to think they have more, you know, bigger and more important lives than just to revolve around, um, revolve around Taylor Swift. But it's like, to your first point about coaching, look at the best teams in the league. 90% of them are coached by offensive-minded coaches. It's a it's a real trend because it works. Because that's where the game is. Because now you have to have a good offense in order to win a lot of games, make the playoffs, and be a real player in the playoffs. And we're seeing those offensive-minded coaches continue to have success each and every year. That's it. The trend isn't just random of just, Oh, we got to hire just because. The offensive-minded head coaching trend is happening because other teams are seeing it work. 
oh, you hire Mike McDaniel in Miami, all of a sudden now Miami has one of the most explosive offenses in the league? Huh, maybe, you know what, maybe we'll try that. Not a bad idea. Matt LaFleur goes to Green Bay, helps Aaron Rodgers win a few MVPs. If you want to say, well, that was just Aaron. Uh, LaFleur, nothing to do with that. Uh, look at then Jordan, Jordan Love, the second half of this year. Look at how Jordan Love played in the playoff game. Playoff games, I should say. Excuse me. And look at how Jordan Love is now viewed going into 2024 in part because of his development under who? Matt LaFleur. It is popular. It's a trend because it works. And I think that we saw this year, there was Jim Harbaugh, who's the home run slam dunk. Ben Johnson was supposed to be number two on that list in terms of offensive mind head coaches. And he said, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to stay here. No one else really you felt good about after that. And then that's part of the reason why we saw a change, which I think is an anomaly in terms of where head coaches were hired from. Special teams and defensive sides of the ball that I think is a one-year blip. That's going to go back to normal when it comes to trying to find that young offensive-minded head coach next year. When more coaches this time next year are fired and we're talking about job openings across the league. All right, 855-212-4227. It is Ryan Hickey with right here on CBS Sports Radio. When we return, since this is the only time we will be on before the Super Bowl does commence. Very excited. This time next week. Post-game show, Super Bowl right here. Check it out on CBS Sports Radio. We'll also be streaming live on YouTube. So if you want to visually watch the show as we break down either the Chiefs or 49ers winning the Super Bowl this year, you could do that on our CBS Sports Radio YouTube page, live streaming there. But this is the only time I have to give you my thoughts on the game before it does kick off and probably end by the time we talk next, the next Sunday evening. I want to give you a little bit of a preview and kind of break a few things down, including asking you and giving you my answer to this question. What is more impressive? Is it Mahomes getting his third ring or is it Purdy getting his first ring in this game? I'll give you my answer plus others as well when we do return. Hick at Night is with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. It's Hick at Night with Ryan Hickey. All right, it is Ryan Hickey with you on CBS Sports Radio. If you missed any part of the show so far, just tuning in, I get it. No problem. Two easy ways to catch up with the show. Hick at Night Podcast, night spelled N-I-T-E, available wherever you do get your pods. Easy way there to listen to the show. All four hours of this show uh, are in podcast form, so you can catch up on anything you missed. Easy to do it. Hick at Night Pod. Again, night spelled N-I-T-E. Or on YouTube, search the channel name Ryan Hickey right there. There's truly a lot of video content being posted to that YouTube site. Two ways to stay up to date with everything from this show. As a reminder, really fast here, this portion of the show is brought to you by Wesley Financial. Stuck in a timeshare and want out? Contact Wesley Financial Group now and get a free timeshare exit information kit at wesleyfinancialgroup.com. Com. Super Bowl is one week from today since we will not be on the air bef- again 
before the Super Bowl kicks off. Figure, let's do an early Super Bowl preview here. I'll give you my pick in a little bit, but also talk about some of the biggest keys to this game. Ryan's got a few questions for us as well. So, Ryan Guy, let's get into it. Okay. Would you be more impressed if Patrick Mahomes gets his third ring or if Brock Purdy gets his first? For me, it's Mahomes getting three. Like, if you're, when Tom Brady retired and got number seven, uh, seven of the Buccaneers, I thought there was no chance anyone was going to come close to that. I didn't want to even sniff that. And then just a few years later, here we are talking about Mahomes possibly. I mean, I know it's not halfway, but getting three so far through his first six years in the NFL, which I believe, by the way, is the same uh, pace Brady was on um, as well. Like, that's, we thought that number seven would be almost untouchable. Yet here we go now seeing Mahomes already in six years be able to get three Super Bowls. I'd be much more impressed. And I've been a big Brock Purdy guy, big Brock Purdy fan. But still, with that said, if Mahomes is able to get to number three here, after taking over full-time as a starter in 2018, it's unfathomable. It is like, it's crazy. For how good he is, it's still to me unfathomable that he could win a Super Bowl in half of the years he has been a starter. NFL is built on parity. We've never seen a, a repeat winner here since the Patriots 20 years ago, and yet for the last five years now, the Chiefs have been in the Super Bowl, and now Mahomes and Co. going for two in a row and three out of five. I'll be much more impressed with that. Again, I've been a Purdy guy, so I've been a believer. It's like I'm surprised with his performance. If he wins next Sunday, am I going to be shocked? Absolutely not. So I think the future is still very bright for Brock Purdy. But right now, you're talking about like, if we're talking about impressive, like, wow, which is like a bigger, like, holy cow, it's Mahomes getting three. Next key to the game, which player needs to be better for their team? Christian McCaffrey or Travis Kelsey? I think it's CMC. I think it's run CMC because San Francisco at heart is a run first team. Get Christian going, get the run game established, and that's when you allow the play action for Brock Purdy to find George Kittle over the middle, to find Debo Samuel one-on-one, to get Brandon Ayuk deep. Like, that offense does go as Christian goes, and they are, even though that they light it up, you know, the scoreboard, they have so many weapons to feed the ball to, they need Christian McCaffrey to get going, especially in the run game. That's what for me, I'll say CMC um, is more important right now to have a bigger game than is Travis Kelsey. Even though there are less weapons on that Chiefs offense, we have seen Kansas City say, screw it, doesn't matter. We'll still find ways to win games. That defense for KC is able to win them a game. We've seen, you know, Isaiah Pacheco run the ball really well. Rasheed Rice be trusted and make some plays. Even Marquez Valdez-Scanling has stepped up and made some big-time plays for Kansas City. Like, they have found different contributors outside of just Kelsey to where if Kelsey is just, you know, held to a ho-hum game, can the Chiefs still win? I think so. Which is why I think Christian McCaffrey needs to have the bigger game between him or Travis Kelsey if the 49ers want to win. Moving to the coaches here, which coach do you think needs this game more for their legacy? Shanahan or Andy Reid? I think it's Kyle Shanahan. I think it's Kyle Shanahan, and that's for me, like, an easy question at least. Like, 
if you look at it, if we look from Andy Reid, like there is an argument there because Reid is going for ring number three. And now, like, don't look, but it's like with Bill Belichick at least out of the league for 2024, possibly. I mean, I think he's done coaching. I don't think he's going to get hired again. So I think we've already seen him coach his last game in the NFL. Andy Reid is not terribly far away from entering Don Shula territory um, and taking over the um, the wins record. Like we talk about it with, with Bill Belichick of him chasing Shula. And Andy Reid right now is at 283. So he still needs some years for sure. But, I mean, if he wins this ring, gets to three and, and gets already halfway to Bill with, I mean, the hot take here, the Chiefs are not slowing down anytime soon. You could see and make an argument for Reed to case uh, to catch Bill. So I think there's a real argument here for for Andy's legacy that he is chasing and could go down as the greatest coach of all time if the next, let's say, five years continue the path uh, of the last five years. But it's who needs it more? It's Kyle Shanahan. In part because I think there are some haters about the 49ers, uh, with the 49ers, I should say, in part because Shanahan's always been one of the best coaches in the NFL, but has never gotten to break through. And so if he's able to break through here and finally get the ring to go with all the regular season victories, all of the NFC title game appearances, I think that would go, in terms of earning respect, he'd be unquestioned. He would absolutely be unquestioned um, if he's able to win this ring. So that's why, for me, I think Shanahan needs it more than Reed. And last but not least, Niners, Chiefs. Two elite defenses. Which do you trust more? Oh, the Chiefs. I think the 49ers have the bigger names on defense, but at least when it comes to production, who I trust more right now in this game, it's Kansas City. They are much more consistent in terms of a pass rush, which I think is going to be one of the biggest keys to this game. And they have guys all over the roster making plays. Secondary, linebacker, defensive line. Where it's like you watch the 49ers in recent weeks and then in these last two playoff games, it's been really ugly. It's been really ugly for three quarters. Jordan Love and the Packers had their way with them. Uh, in the NFC title game, I guess it improved a little bit. Because in the second half, the Lions, after having their way with them in the first half, or at least were able to slow them down and only allowed one touchdown. So at least in the second half, it was a lot prettier for San Francisco. But, my goodness, I mean, they look like they had no answers against the Lions in the first half. At least the, the Chiefs, I know they got worked by the Bills a little bit um, in that game, especially on the ground. They have found answers, and they've had different guys contribute. 49ers, I'm nervous about their defense. And I trust Steve Spagnuolo a lot more right now than I do Steve Wilkes. Both have done a good job at playing better in the fourth quarter. But right now, with this game... And having that championship experience, I right now do favor the Chiefs and their defense over the 49ers. Um, all right, so thank you, Ryan. Tremendous questions. Those are some thoughts going into this game in terms of who has advantages, who, you know, some key matchups to watch out for. But when it comes to actually picking the game, so this is the only chance I'll get, be able to give you a pick before the game does kick off. I'm taking the 49ers. I think this is the year the 49ers get it done. This is the year the, the Chiefs are most vulnerable I know no one in the AFC at least has been able to get them, and we just talked about the 49ers defense being very concerning. But Brock Purdy plays really well. I think Christian McCaffrey does have a big game receiving the ball. 
Um, and, and that pass game is a big factor for, for the 49ers. And Kyle Shanahan, I like what I've seen from his adjustments in the second half each of the last two weeks. This game is going to be close. Another fourth quarter game. San Francisco, I'm going to go 31. Chiefs, 27. 49ers finally get their first ring in this at least new era of the John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan um, era. Reign, if you will. All right, 855-212-4227. When we return, the news we got today, sad a few hours ago, that Joel Embiid is going to have surgery on his knee, might miss the end of the regular season. This injury diagnosis means the Sixers only have one option this offseason. I'll tell you what it is next. It's Ryan Nicky with you right here, CBS Sports Radio.